Chapter 2. Myths and Misconceptions The Beatles were right. It is absolutely true that money can't buy you love. But love can't build a house for the ones you love. Love and money aren't dependent on one another, but they can complement each other. Over the years, I've encountered so many different attitudes to money. As a pastor, I'm in the people business, and when dealing with people, you inevitably experience many perspectives on wealth and finance. I've had people ask me if I'm afraid to talk on the subject of money in church. No, I'm not, because I'm not asking people for anything. My job is to teach people the principles and promises of God, which then releases them to walk in his fullness in their own lives. Some people think the church places too much emphasis and focus on money. The reality is that money affects everyone. It is a very relevant and vital subject that needs to be addressed because it affects us all. Attitudes to money. What is evident to me is how people's attitude to money can limit and rob them of God's blessing. Some people get a guilty conscience if they have money. They feel uncomfortable and don't believe they deserve it or that anyone else does either. I've heard some people say, I'm not interested in money. All I want to do is help the poor. That is exactly where they miss it. This is the very reason they should be interested in money. Money enables you to position yourself to really help people on a massive scale. Sincere Christians have come to me and said, all I want to do is go through the mission field. That's fantastic. But my question is, who's going to support you? How long will you last without money? Obviously, you have faith, but you need to be practical. It's easy to say, God will provide but you need to understand that he uses people to supply money. Someone has to finance your dream to be a missionary. A few years ago, our church received a large gift of a few thousand dollars. The name on the check was one I didn't know, but enclosed was an explanation for the gift. This man had been overseeing someone else's business and under his management, the business had doubled, then tripled, then quadrupled. God had blessed that business financially. What was even more exciting was the fact that this couple had a vision to be missionaries in China. They went to China, learned the language, and right now they are serving God on the mission field. Do you know who is supporting them? They are. Through wisdom and good stewardship, they have enough to fulfill and support their calling. One of the enemy's greatest tactics is to stop God's people desiring more money. This limits the purposes of God in their own lives and in turn for the church corporately. Many people have an attitude that says, all I need is enough money to put food on my table. Well, that is actually a selfish way to think. Imagine if you were in the position to put food on the tables of countless families. Then there are others who say, all I need is a car that gets me from A to B. But what if God's purpose for you is to go to C, D, E and F, and all you have is a car that can take you from A to B? Money has great power and potential. You have to learn to think beyond yourself and only wanting enough for your own table and enough for your own bills. Enlarge your thinking and begin to think about other people and what you can do to bless them. It is self-centered to think that you don't need money. Money is a resource that causes us to be more effective. We all need it. Lots of it. See money for what it is. Have you ever imagined what you would do if you inherited a windfall or won $10 million? I'll be honest, there are lots of things I'd love to do. For starters, I could purchase a commercial radio or TV station for the purpose of extending God's kingdom. If someone had a real heart for street children, imagine what they could do if they had the finance. They could buy a fine building, equip it and staff it with a great team of people and be a literal blessing 
in helping such kids. Resist the kind of thinking that limits your effectiveness. The Bible says we are called to have dominion. In the book of Genesis, it says that a man must be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth and subdue it. A friend of mine, Kevin Gerald, once described money as being dominion certificates. He was talking about how money empowers us. You may look at a piece of property and think, I'd love to have that land. Well, what prevents you? You haven't got the money. This is what money can do. It says to land, I can own you. Money says to vision, I can fulfill you. Money says to buildings, I can build you. Money says to things, I can buy you. Money says to a missionary, I can support you. Money says to poverty, I can feed you. Money says to opportunity, I can accept you. I want to stretch your thinking about money. Money is not bad. It can achieve incredible things. Don't be scared of it or develop a bad attitude towards it. We should desire money to extend God's purposes. If you develop a healthy attitude to money, it can and will change your life. Money gives you the ability to have dominion and can release God's purpose in and through you. Having money is not evil. Money in itself is not evil. In fact, money isn't a problem to God at all. Look at what the Bible says about a rich man. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearances perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. James 1.11 People misinterpret this verse. The problem is not his wealth. The problem is the pursuits of his heart. Money has the capacity to expose the human heart. And if your pursuits only focus on your needs and your desires, then of course that will all fade, whether you are rich or poor. Everything about us is temporal and naturally speaking fades away. Finance in our hands should have a broader purpose than meeting our needs alone. If you are wealthy, excellent. But what greater purpose does your abundance serve? Imagine what a rich person can achieve whose great goal is the kingdom of God. God's attitude to money. Most Christians want to know what is God's attitude to money. Sadly, many are confused. God has a lot to say on the subject of wealth and finances. In fact, it is a topic that is actually very clear and consistent throughout the Bible. Prosperity is a Bible word. All the words that relate to it, such as blessing, wealth, riches, and abundance, appear frequently throughout the Bible. Many people have a theology that excludes prosperity and the fact that God wants to bless us with abundance. Yet the word confirms God's desire to see us prosper. Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 35, 27. God actually gets pleasure when we prosper. Profound and great promises throughout the word of God establish for a fact that it's God's will for us to be successful and prosperous. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Joshua 1.8 Prosperity is definitely a result of applying God's word to your life. Why would he promise prosperity and success if he preferred us to remain poor? This is a specific promise from God, and yet there are so many who don't believe it and have a tendency to get envious, threatened, or even judge those who do. The scriptures aren't afraid of the subject of money. 
Any theologian or person who knows the word would tell you that the subject Jesus actually talks about more than any other is money. I believe the reason for this is because Christ knows what a hold money has or can have over a person's life. It's got the potential to release and bless or the potential to destroy and be a curse. The story of the rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus was confronted by a rich young man. This is a story people love to quote in regard to the love of money, but let's look at it in perspective. The rich young man came to Jesus and asked what he should do to inherit eternal life. What Jesus answered is the same for the rich and the poor alike. There is no difference according to one's wealth. However, in verse 21, Jesus identified the one thing the rich young man personally needed to do. He said, go your way and sell everything you've got. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. He then told him to take up his cross and follow him. The man's response to Jesus was one of immense sadness because he had great possessions. As you look deeper into his reaction, I think great possessions had him. He was bound by his possessions. Although he was the one who inquired about eternal life, Jesus touched the only thing he wasn't prepared to do, and that was to let go of his possessions. This is where it gets interesting, as we discover the true context of the story. Jesus used this illustration as a preaching point to his disciples, and it is this statement that is usually quoted out of context. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Mark 10.23 Now, why would the disciples be astonished by that answer? It was because they knew the teachings of the old covenant and that blessing and prosperity was the promise of God. They knew that the scripture said, The Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Psalm 35.27 They were grounded in Old Testament law and what Jesus said went against everything they had been taught. As business people, some of them may have had money themselves. Let's see what happens. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Mark ten twenty four to 26. They were now greatly astonished. But it is what Jesus said next that puts it all in context. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Mark 10.27 Jesus was talking specifically about finance and rich people. He was saying that for man, in his own strength, it is not possible to have great wealth and godly priorities. Yet with God, it is possible to have great riches and godly purposes. This verse is quoted for all sorts of things. For with God, all things are possible. But in context, it relates directly to finances. It is possible for a person to have wealth and enter into the kingdom of God. Yet they need a relationship with God as their foremost priority. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Mark 10, 29. Peter caught what Jesus was saying and commented that they had done exactly that. 
They had had their own businesses. He was a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector, but they left it to follow him. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Mark ten twenty nine. Having read the story in its entirety, you will understand its context. The way Jesus concludes sums it up. Those who give up houses and family for the sake of the gospel will be blessed now in this time. Many people think that they will receive God's blessing only when they get to heaven. However, Jesus covered both now and eternity. What Jesus is saying is that when money has people, it is going to inhibit them when it comes to the kingdom of God. But that is very different to people actually having money. Anyone who puts the kingdom of God first, be they rich or poor, can expect Bible economics to work in their life now. Finance in the right hands can achieve so much for the kingdom. Many are ruled by what other people have or don't have, rather than by what God wants to do in their own life. You can learn a lot about yourself by what is important to you. I want to see finances released into your life. Firstly, to see you get blessed, and secondly, to see the kingdom of God being blessed as a result. Don't be ruled by the finance in your life or think you don't deserve it. Don't see it as bad. Decide you are going to rule and be a steward over all that God puts in your hands. It has tremendous power to do good in your life and in the life of those people around and about you. The end. <laughs>